0: So I just got the news today that I am stuck in Canada, in my little town of Stony Point, Ontario, a town of 600, for another 28 days, uh, which stings a little bit more than the first time that we got stuck here for 28 days, which was uh, approximately a year ago. The first time we were told this, it was 28 days to just kind of flatten the curve. And now, almost a year later, it's 28 days just to uh, prevent from over flooding the ER. So uh, clearly we haven't been able to learn much from the first time, I, I, even with the, the progress of science and vaccinations, we're still not much farther ahead than we were over a year ago. Uh, my industry is still shown. I'm still working from home office. And every day I start to see glimmers of sunshine and then they, they kind of get taken away, and then we find new ways to adapt and adjust. So, this is all from my window in North America. Uh, living in Canada, I can kind of see the US and I can kind of see what's happening in Canada. And Canada's doing a little bit better than the US, but, but not heads and tails. But when I look at the world meter, I can see that there are some countries that are doing quite well, and includes uh, places like New Zealand. Taiwan and Singapore. So, I kind of did some internet research and I found somebody from our industry who's in Singapore at the moment. And I kind of was very excited to reach out and kind of get some outside perspective to bring to my audience. So, I'd like to introduce everybody to Yi Hui. She is a lighting designer and electrician out of DC. She is currently in Singapore, partly by design, partly by by just be by not wanting to come back. So I'm really excited to get some outside perspective today. So please uh, welcome Yihue today. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Hi, excited to be here.
0: So Yihue is a lighting designer and electrician. Uh, I checked out her website and she has some gorgeous photos. It was very easy to reach out to her and go like, oh my God, these are some great stuff. You've been very busy. And uh, when she responded, she's like, yeah, I'm currently in Singapore. And I'm like, that's great. I, I have to, I have so many questions. So let's get started first with your, your website. I mean, you're you're fairly well established in the DC area. This is, I mean, you have so many, your resume is very long.
1: Thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I actually moved to DC right after graduation. Um, I was trying to pick a place to go and most of the, um, I graduated from Ithaca College, and most of the alums go straight to New York City. But I never had, I never really liked New York City. It was just kind of a vibe that I never was too crazy about. And I visited Chicago, and Chicago is too cold. So that was just kind of my two <laughs> main areas that I was looking at. And um, one of my professors said, why don't you try DC? They have smart audiences there. And I was like, okay, that's a thought. And I, I looked into fellowships, internships. And then while I did a summer at Jacob's Pillow. Um, oh, none of the none of the internships and fellowships um, went through because I I was going to finish my summer too late. Um, but I was like, okay. I'm just going to move anyway. I'm just going to overhire. It's going to be great. It's a brand new world out there. And yeah, so in the summer that I was at Jacob's Pillow, um, one of my one of my uh, fellow production interns um, was from DC and. She hooked me up with roommates, a great roommates, and kind of helped me a little bit with breaking into the industry. And that was it. I just moved September 3rd or something, 2015. And there I was in DC with a place and a lighting call at Arena Stage the next day. And then the rest nice. is kind of, it just, it just happened. Um, it's It's not really, it's not that small of an industry, but it's just big enough that there's plenty of work to go around for the people who do want to end up there doing theater. And it's it's a family, everybody knows everybody. And and I'm sure that there's significantly less hustling involved than in New York. I don't know, everything just feels calmer over there. But yeah, and so I was just really lucky that a lot of small theaters were looking for lighting designers right around the time that I, I arrived. And there's actually a large amount of um, female lighting people in DC, which I love. Like my call at Arena Stage, we almost always only have female electricians. Don't know why, just so happens.
0: That's awesome. I've I've noticed the same trend. Uh, I I want to say the last time I noticed it was either in Virginia or DC at the at the arena, a fairly new arena at the time, was majority female lighting crew, and it was. It's a wonderful day.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I guess I was lucky, Um, right place, right time. And so that just has just kind of been pretty much my three years um, in DC before I had to come back to Singapore. I had to serve my scholarship bond, basically, which is why I left.
0: Okay, so let's get into that just a little bit. You are from Singapore, Mm -hmm. got your... Degree in upstate New York. Also mm-hmm. did a semester abroad in London.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Came back, back to upstate New York. Then ended up in DC. So you have no shortage of options of places you could have ended up.
1: Yeah, I mean London was tricky, and London is tricky. And just I have I have a friend that I spoke to when I was there, and she was like, "No, it's really tough. You would probably need to get a job and all that things." Um, Right. So while I, it was a great, it was a great opportunity to be there. Um, I did a semester with Akram Khan Company. I sort of toured with them over fall break, which was, which was amazing. I mean, I couldn't do anything because I wasn't covered by insurance, but they, right. they kind of just put me in the house. You know, I already knew how to program <laughs> the Ion at the time. So I would, like, I could not really call focus, but like I could press buttons for them. And basically anything I did in the house was fine which means Got I could do a lot in the house <laughs> um yeah and just learning about I I assisted Fabiana Piccoli um she's a lighting designer and she was doing their technical management stuff at the time and yeah I learned a lot from her about all the paperwork that needed to go into shipping and all that sort of thing dabble with AutoCAD for the first time because I'm mostly a am mostly a Vectorworks designer okay. um and so that was just kind of my foray into AutoCAD and measurements in French. I don't even know. I don't remember anything, <laughs> but but just that. I was like, oh, this is fun. This is fine. I'll just, you know, figure out what all this means in English. Okay. So um, let's get so, into so how you... Kind of of... Oh.
0: That's very cool. Uh, so how did you end up going from Singapore to Ithaca?
1: I finished high well, basically I finished high school, and then I looked at all of the courses available in the universities in Singapore and said nothing here interests me. My mother nice. got worried. Uh, <laughs> of she, course, she, she, she got really worried. Um, she she works in the theater industry, sort of, um, not not artistically, but she works in the theater industry, and so she um, she had colleagues who needed people to just be production assistants on a show. And I went, sure. I mean, I've, I've been watching shows since I was a kid. I took art classes, ballet classes, speech and drama, all the shebang. And so I was like, okay, I mean, sure. I have a couple of months to kill um, because in Singapore we finish high school in December but we start university kind of the same time as the rest of the world in the fall. And so I was like, okay, I will just try this out. This could be fun couple of months. And I was hooked. Basically, I did my first show and I was like, ooh, this, this, I, I could see myself doing this for a while. Um, and so I ended up taking a year and a half to just explore theater, do theater professionally before going to school for it. And in that time, spoke to a bunch of people who had studied abroad and they said, yeah, if you really are serious about theater, go to the U S or the UK. And so I started narrowing down schools, um, and one of my one of my um, acquaintances, she said, yeah, I went to Ithaca College to do like an exchange for film. And I went, oh, I'll, I'll look into that. Sure. And I looked at their program. It looked perfect for what I needed. Applied, got in. They were really nice compared to some other schools that I will not mention that I called and was like, uh, can I check on the status of my application? And they're like, no, we don't entertain these things. And I'm like, yeah, but I sent it from like, very, very far away. Nope. Um, Yeah. And ended up at Ithaca and didn't realize how good a school it was until I got there basically. But that, that was kind of how I ended up in Ithaca, not really prepared for the snow, but made it through it anyway.
0: (laughs) It sounds like your mom was reluctantly supportive of this
1: well it's better to have a career and a passion than to not i guess yes Um, so you told your mom hey
0: i'm leaving singapore i'm going to upstate new york and uh, i'm gonna go to school there was she excited or hesitant
1: i mean coming from a i guess we weren't super conservative because you know we render the arts and everything but coming from a still fairly traditional chinese family you know when you think about the states it's mm-hmm. it's not a calming thought even now um, Yeah, and even <laughs> especially i now. was especially now and even i was a little concerned about it but i guess she knew what like if this is what i wanted to do and i'd spent like a year and a half already trying it out that this was something that that would be good would be good for me and actually i'm really glad because i I don't think I would have gotten the same kind of education here. And there were experiences that I needed to have Mm -hmm. being, you know, independent away from home, figuring out all sorts of things by myself.
0: Mm -hmm. So how supportive was Singapore in general of helping get you get to the United States?
1: I applied for a scholarship from the national arts council. Let's just say it took three tries before they gave it
0: three tries okay
1: three tries well it means three years
0: okay so it wasn't a scholarship for you to go to a singapore school it was for whatever because you have a singapore passport they'll give you a a grant if you if you're qualified
1: uh yeah so they have they have a bunch of scholarship options some are for local schools and some are for overseas schools specifically for yeah
0: that's so supportive I can I mean, only imagine that we're
1: a small country We're a small yeah. country of, you know, immigrants really. And that they, they know that if they keep all of us in here, it would, we would never progress. And so it's important to send some of your, I don't know what you would call us, but anyway, it's important to send some of your students out there and have them, you know, bring back things that they learn.
0: hmm No, I think that's uh, how we generate diversity of opinion is you send people out into the world and you hope that some of them come back. I mean, you can't make them come back, but you can hope that maybe they'll bring a wealth of knowledge back to the country and and, and it'll only increase your GDP, your economy, the the ideas. It's a winning investment. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're pretty big on those winning investments, I think.
0: Singapore is doing quite well, quite well.
1: Okay. So in
0: fact, that is partially what brought you back to Singapore, right? You had to go back and repay your loans. Is that accurate?
1: Uh, Not specifically monetarily. Um, It's more like a service commitment back in the industry here, Um, which is really good. I think it was the right time. I think it was the right time to come back because I I felt like I kind of reached like a a little bit of a, a, a soft ceiling. I don't know what you would call it in D.C., and I, okay. needed to, I needed to explore a little bit more. And so coming back to Singapore, reaching out to people I hadn't worked with for seven years at that point and just starting to design in a new place was really helpful. And I started designing at larger venues because the, the sort of scale we have here is a little bit different. Like the largest theater um, that I have designed in is probably, I'm trying to think of an equivalent in New York, maybe the public? I don't know. It's it's a little it's a little it's a little tough gauge the right size. But yeah, so it coming back designing in larger venues was was a good opportunity for me to just be like, oh, these are the these are the skills that you learned back in college. And it's coming back now as opposed to little like six lights, 30, 30 packs theaters that I was designing at in DC.
0: So now you're back in Singapore and you're actually reaching out to a bunch of your, your friends and colleagues saying, Hey, so I got my degree. I've been to London. I'm back here. Let's, let's get to work. Let's uh, let's see if everything I've learned applies here.
1: And for the most part, for the most part, it did. Um, I had to relearn meters. That was exciting. (laughs) <laughs> um, Because when I first when I first got to the states, it was like one of these think inches. No, I can't estimate in inches. But after four years in school, two and a half years in DC, I was so deep in inches and feet that going back to centimeters was like I I can't. A step is what four hundred mm. I don't know how to do this. Um, so that was besides that, almost everything else translated. Um, there are a couple of there are a couple of things that people do here that I'm like "Ah, I'm not such a fan of that like calling hits for everything that comes in that really bugs me Um, even when it's intentional that one was what they were taught and I've been slowly trying every venue that I design and I slowly try to tell electricians no if you're dropping a rope say there's a rope coming in like specify what is coming in don't just say hits for everything that is coming from above um yeah and so it it turned out that um the skills were able to transfer um work it took a little while to pick up some work but after a while there's not that many lighting design i mean there's plenty of lighting designers in singapore um Mm -hmm. but in the grand scheme of things not that many and a lot of companies like to overlap their shows in march september and no march i think there's basically march and september are the two big ones which is also kind of similar in DC, I guess. And so work started coming around and it was really nice to, to be able to just um, continue networking in Singapore. And if at some point I decide to stay here, that would be a perfect base to continue to build on.
0: Okay, fill me in on the hits thing. They don't, they don't yell rope.
1: No, they just base. Okay, so yes, basically anything that anybody is lowering from above. Or dropping, for that matter. They just say heads. Okay. And, I mean, I I should run really as I've been trained from where the sound is coming from. Um, but then I started realizing that it wasn't always imminent danger when they said heads.
0: Oh man, yeah, that's yep. different. You should you should dis- you should uh, separate the two. You should be able to say, rope. Which is not a big deal, or uh-huh. heads should mean like get the fuck out of here. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. Or at least you know I dropped something that I really shouldn't have dropped. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. Okay. Uh,
0: yeah, that's uh, <laughs> if if that becomes your cause, I would support you. You should you should help Singapore update that that procedure, those protocols there. <laughs> Hey, you yeah, supported. That, that
1: is the biggest one. Thank you. That is like the, the I think that was the biggest pet peeve about how one of the larger one of the larger theaters was training new technicians. They all yelled okay. "Hits, Yep.
0: Got it. Okay. So you were back to do your, your due diligence and mm-hmm. then uh, the world got flipped on its head and we're in a pandemic and now I would imagine even if you wanted to, it'd be very difficult for you to make it back to DC.
1: Yeah, it's. I'm just kind of putting it on hold at the moment. I mean, I've been putting it on hold since uh, March last year, 2020. So basically uh, I only needed to do two years in Singapore. And so the plan was to return sometime April, 2020. And I actually had some work lined up in DC already for the foreseeable future. Um, and so I guess it was a good thing that I ended up being stuck in Singapore. I feel a lot safer here. I know I'm going to get the medical attention I need if anything <laughs> does happen. I, I know a lot of people don't really respect how 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 cooperative? much people... Cooperative is nicer, yes.
0: Okay. How,
1: how much people would like listen to the government. But I also, in some ways, there are certain things that we know what's good for us. And so it's right. it's really nice to see that, like, once the government put in a mask mandate, everybody wears masks. You get, like, maybe 10 or 20% of the, like, nose revealers or the ones that just have them kind of awkwardly hanging. Um, but for the most part, everybody has a piece of material covering their faces. Okay. Um, yeah, and so, like... I mean, I'm glad it's, it's safer here. And because we, and and because we were safer here, we were able to, in a way, restore our way of life for, pretty much. Um, okay. We, I think theater, theater came back digitally. I would say maybe like August. Okay. Or maybe even earlier than that. At some point mid summer, people were already thinking about how to produce theater digitally to, Keep people engaged. Um, a lot of companies were releasing a lot of archival videos on YouTube. Okay. I think same as some of the other countries. Um, yeah. Yeah, but then people started producing more more theater um, over the the following months. The government had like a digital presentation grant that was going out that helped a lot of the smaller companies, in fact, produce digital theater. Um, it wasn't a lot of money, but I think for the, the really small groups, it was, it's money where they needed it.
0: It sounds like enough to put a small troop of people who are already in their bubble to get on a stage with, you know, a three camera shoot and put it out onto YouTube and at least stay relevant.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had, cause we also had a lot of rules about how, um, So some people could go back to work, but we couldn't have any audiences, which is fine. I mean, that's having audience, live audiences is a lot of work, actually, now that I've done digital theater for the last couple of months. Now it's like, we just show up, doesn't matter. You don't have to wear black, even (laughs) you just, you just hide behind the camera, uh, well, behind the computer, and you just Uh make sure that your technology doesn't fail you. But it also means that if your Wi-Fi just goes, you're... Your internet just goes down that day. Well, that's it, no show for you. Uh, but yeah. No-Wi-Fi, so no show. Yeah, well, I mean, more internet specifically, right. like, um, cause we use ethernet, you know, everything Got has it. to be wired to be safe. Um, okay. But yes, more or less, no Wi-Fi, no show.
0: <laughs> All right, so explain how a day would go. Would you, you would be in the theater? You'd be yes, on site. Um,
1: I would be on site, yeah. So the company, there was a company that I worked with a lot last year um, doing a lot of their school shows uh, because even though like traditional theater was still mostly closed for the year, uh, a lot of schools still had money to spend on arts programs. And so we started moving all of our advocacy programs online. We started using OBS cameras and so each actor would have a little station and then we would just set up cameras on phones that were hardwired to a computer. And then we would use OBS to send it out to either Zoom, um, Zoom if we needed interaction or Vimeo if we didn't. Okay. And I ended up doing a lot more stage managing, but for the digital, for digital theater.
0: Okay. What sort of stage management is there? I mean, how many people could you have in the theater?
1: It depends. I think when we first started, maybe 10. uh, But even now, I believe only performers are allowed to be unmasked. And there are rules about them being at least a meter apart masked and two meters apart unmasked, or maybe even more if they're singing. Um, But so we we just have actors' stations. I'm lucky enough to be working with a company that has an in-house black box space. Okay. So they were able to, once they could go back to work, we were able to produce digital work almost immediately.
0: Okay. Man, when I think of designing under restrictions, I used to think that like no haze and no strobing was some heavy restrictions. But like this, I mean, that is, how do you emote if you can't be next to anybody or with no feedback, no haze, no audience? No. That is, that's the pinnacle of restrictions right there. That's basically, you're almost a mime at that point.
1: Kind of. I know the actors had a lot of issues, um, a lot of issues trying to connect with their audience. So when we did move to Zoom, um, so basically each actor station has a camera that feeds into my computer, but they also have a laptop to monitor Zoom. And so um, and these are often TYA shows, so the kids would just be sitting in their rooms, and they would just put it, they would just put them on gallery view whenever they were interacting with the kids, and so they would sing songs with them, uh, which some schools were like, no, no singing allowed, so they ended up rapping the nursery rhyme. <laughs> it's all okay. improv, and I mean, it's not so much a case in like English songs, but in Chinese songs, the. <laughs> The tone that you sing it in does not—it's not often the same tone that you would say it in.
0: Okay.
1: Like, or at least it doesn't always—it doesn't always correlate. So the actor had to just rush to just say out the song. It's like a spoken, a spoken poetry. I don't even know. It was—it was odd. Um, but the kids enjoyed it. They—they—they they, they spoke the song. <laughs> As
0: those are the lengths that we will go to to entertain one another that is mm -hmm. amazing
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, and then and the actors had to learn how to look at each other on camera so they started having like spotting positions in the room one of them said yeah if i'm looking at the other person i'm looking at that plastic bag in the corner (laughs) so i guess that's because it's all—it's all about how the angles display on Zoom, um, and sometimes right. we would go from like a three—a three shot to a two shot, and she would forget that the other actor is not below anymore. The other actor was next to her, and so we had little post-its all over the place, being like, "This person is next to you," just to—it's remind like, uh, her uh, the Cambridge
0: squares. Basically, you're just like, yeah, yeah." Where's Alice? Right. Alice is down there now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then. I mean, and in a way, I guess they all had, you know, low, low budget prompters with their post-its all over the place um, on their desk because the audience can't see anything. And we were actually, the, the same show, uh, they were lucky to do um, a live version in a community. Um, okay, I was gonna say community theater, but that's not true. It's just a theater in the community. And the director said, suddenly they have legs. What are legs? because they've been rehearsing on camera with this much like just head and half torso for months right. and suddenly you see legs and there's blocking and it's it suddenly it's a whole movement. new world <laughs> movement
0: it's so easy to forget just how powerful movement is just walking from stage left to stage right and then stopping mm-hmm. and turning mm-hmm. with a with like a hand on your chin going like ah oh. That's, that's power. There's power in that.
1: Mm -hmm. And suddenly the frame, the frame of vision is just so much bigger. There's a whole stage to cross now, instead of just I take three steps to the left and I'm out of frame and I can do all my costume changes there. So that was, that, that's really interesting now that we're starting to go into more of a, I think we're starting to go back to some live performances. Uh, I've been lucky enough to do two, designed two live shows last year. Um, And we weren't even sure if it was going to happen. We had the dates penciled in. And suddenly, um, the government said, yeah, you can have audiences of, I think, 50 in a group, depending on how many spaces your theater allows. So like one with two levels with a balcony, they would be able to have two groups of 50, likely. And that's it. We were like, "Okay, so all this design that we've been doing, yep, it's going to happen. Let's just do a show. and it was it was really nice to be back in a space. Um, everybody except the actors had to be masked, of course. Um, and at some point, you just accept the fact that you are now in a bubble with the projection designer sitting next to you, that kind of thing. Um, but other than that, I mean, I think the whole sanitization stuff is great. You know, you clean the theater after every show, before every show. We should keep these things. You know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, keeping track of people who attend large events. That's great too. We should keep, yeah, there's plenty of things that I'm like, you know, maybe just don't get rid of this.
0: (laughs) Okay. So that's, uh, I hope maybe you can speak about that a little bit in Canada. It's fairly well accepted that we're doing a fair amount of contact tracing through our phones in the United States. That is a major hot button. There are, I would imagine a major swaths of the country that would never even consider something like that. But in your case, it sounds like that's what allows people to get back to work because Mm -hmm. of the contact tracing Like, yeah, we know where, where the spreads are, where the super spreader events are, where the cases are coming from.
1: The the public has been, I think, for the most part, pretty cooperative about adopting our Trace Together app, um, and they started giving out tokens to some of the, the older folks or people who don't want to use their phones for tracing. And for the most part, people have been really happy about it because it means you can you can go to you can go to the cinemas, you can go to theaters.
0: So it's just a, a token.
1: Yeah. So uh, most people have the app. I think most. Most people who are okay with it have the app installed on in their phone and the Bluetooth turned on, to just um, basically track whoever wa- whoever you spend more than thirty minutes with. I think it's the is the cause for concern if they are tested positive, but okay. in general, it just co- it just it just collects connections you make with other people in a, in a way. And okay. uh, if you don't want to use your phone, they give you a little token that's uh, I want to say how big would it be. Small donut, Munchkin size, sure. Okay. It's like Munchkin sized, and you would just keep it on your bag or wherever.
0: And it and has yeah. Bluetooth connectivity.
1: Mm-hmm. It has Bluetooth connectivity. That one you can't turn off though. So right. There's pros and cons. Um, I know there are some people who are don't like the idea uh, of the government tracking them. And recently we. We just found out that actually the police can use the tracking data for serious crimes, Uh, but this wasn't communicated very clearly before. And so people start getting really iffy about it. But then it's like, I mean, you're giving up so much already and this one actually concerns your safety. So it's, it's it's a personal choice really. Oh,
0: that's a fine but, line there. That is, I, uh, if I wanted right? to go to a concert, I would gladly do it. But then if I'm walking through the woods, I would probably turn my Bluetooth off. Whereas if I had the donut, I couldn't turn that off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, if I wanted to commit a crime, I would definitely not want the donut or my phone on me, I guess.
1: Yep. I think yeah. Great. Yeah. The gray, yeah and this. I, yeah, and I know some people who, uh, I actually know somebody who stays at work too late and then turns her Bluetooth off because she doesn't want people to know that she stayed at work too late when I mean, she wasn't supposed to. And I'm just like, oh, okay, sure. That that's. It's not like they can really get their hands on that data, but just to be safe, you know, when she's not somewhere she's supposed to be, she just turns it off. I'm like, okay. That's that's fine too. Whatever works for you. And actually, while I'm home, I keep it off because it it messes with my Bluetooth earphones. So. Okay. Uh, yeah, but you're but, at home. But yeah, but I'm at but I'm at home exactly. Right. And I think I'm. I think they managed to get. I think they were aiming for like 70% of the population to adopt the trace together, the app. And I think I mean, if they're reopening workspaces and things like that, it means it must be enough. And we very we have very few community cases at this point. Almost everybody is imported cases, if they test positive. So, so but last they I checked, you guys are in land. the
0: double digits of cases at the moment.
1: Let me see. What is yesterday's? What is yesterday's? As of yesterday, we had no local locally transmitted cases and we had 17 imported cases who are already placed on state what we call stay home notice and isolated upon okay. arrival. Okay. Yep. That's Congratulations. Kind of, thank you. It's 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 it kind of like been a, a trend for plan. a while. Yes, yes. We I mean, we don't know if there are any asymptomatic cases going around, so we can't really do anything about it. We can't really just right. stop any precautions at this point. But um, we've already, I think our vaccine rollout was either earlier this week or mid last week. Our prime minister got vaccinated already. It's great. Apparently our stocks went up after that. Great. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. And,
1: and yeah, and, and they already promised us that we would all get our vaccine by the third quarter this year, which is very exciting. I mean. okay. So I would imagine you guys are doing
0: it the same. It's frontline workers first, especially hospitals. Then mm-hmm. I would imagine supermarkets and restaurants and whatnot, you know, basically frontline essential workers. Then the elderly stuff like that. Similar ethics. I'm not ethics?
1: sure what the, yeah, I'm not sure what the specific orders are. Like um, okay. we are a much smaller country, even, you know, we have, I think 5 million people at this point, but even so they're, um, and it's only it's only available for citizens and uh, what do you call Permanent residents. So in Got your it. case, it would be citizens and green card. Uh, yep. And the government has a way of contacting all of us. So I guess when the text comes, I go and get my shot. That's pretty much how that's going to work.
0: You being young and healthy, I'm going to assume you're pretty low on the priority list.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, third quarter, that's fine. Okay. We'll get there. But I think the, because I think the vaccines are not suitable for children, if I'm not wrong. So I think they would, they would be actually the lowest on the priority at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But I, I'd be sure. So I'm, I'm expecting, you know, if we're lucky, if I'm lucky, I get it sometime in the summer. And if not, then, you know, maybe in the fall, well, fall as in North America's fall. But yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Okay. So uh, post pandemic, what do you think you're going to do? Are you going to stay in Singapore and, and ride it out, or do you think you're trying to get back to DC? I, I guess uh, I'm asking which one which one do you which art form or which art location do you prefer?
1: As much as I appreciate having the work here during the pandemic, I would very much like to go back to DC. There are uh, a couple of companies that I am excited to go back and work with, shows that I wanna do. And actually I was, uh, I recently became a company member of Arts in the Horizon that's based in Virginia. And I really wanna do a lot more TYA, which I don't, haven't really been able to have that opportunity to do in Singapore. And just the, sto- I think the stories that I get to tell while I'm in DC are a lot more exciting personally. But okay. until but until my fellow well, until my friends who have full time jobs can go back, and until my freelance friends who have can can go back with work, I don't think it's prudent for me to even think about applying to go back yet. So you know maybe earliest end of the year if things go spectacularly well. Um, okay. If not, then. You know, maybe next year. Maybe think about the following, the following um, season or something. It would be okay. nice to go back, starting the season in the fall. But other than that, I'm taking things slow. But okay. I would like to. I would like to end up back there at least for the foreseeable future.
0: Okay. Uh, one of the things that I had the pleasure of doing uh, in the middle of the pandemic was doing a show in Las Vegas. While my designer was in London, would you be open to something like that? Would you be able to be in Singapore and design a show in DC? I
1: think it I think it depends. I think you need somebody who really gets you or is super smart. I don't I don't know to be on the other end if you're designing remotely. you need somebody mm-hmm. that, that is able to take your vision and put it on stage. The way that it's meant to be um i would be open to that uh but i would also say that if there are local designers that that the company can hire why 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 have that expense of hiring somebody abroad i mean with all this pandemic stuff maybe it makes sense maybe the local designers are just not the right people to tell that story mm-hmm. but i first of all i wouldn't want to take away work from local folks. But if the company is very specific in, we want to tell a story that has um, Southeast Asian origin, and we want you to design them, that's fine. I would be very, very much happy to do it um, virtually. It does mean, you know, probably being awake at 3am for tech, which I'm not too much of a it fan does. of. I think, I think the time difference is really one of the bigger problems. And the fact that I would never be able to see or feel the room in the same way as being in the actual space. Mm-hmm. So it would have to be
0: a it would have to be a very niche message for them to require such such an extravagant expense. But at the same time, it also reduces expenses. It it uh, it reduces the hotel, the flight, the traveling, the per diem. So in that mm-hmm. regard, I'm I'm wondering if this is going to become more common, uh, because you know, as you know, we're we're capable of it now with the with the internet connection. You could almost be in the room, in any theater in DC, if you're awake at three in the morning to do them.
1: hmm hmm Yeah, and I I would be if if somebody were to say now, hey, would you design a show like right now? Yeah, I would switch my whole schedule to fit tech there but i also yeah i i still think i still think it it makes more sense for companies to hire local if they can i've I've never really been a fan of uh uh the bigger spaces in dc hiring new york designers all the time that's not fair you have plenty of local designers
0: yeah it happens Support your own
1: Yeah. yeah it always does it always does and and not that it's fine but Sometimes I get it. And sometimes I'm like, you know, use your own talent, use your local talents.
0: Okay. So outside of the, the strictly working environment, I would imagine that you've made lots of friends at all these different places that you've worked with. Would you move back to DC just for your colleagues and your friends and have that sort of art community around you again? Maybe.
1: maybe, I mean, yes i wouldn't move back just for them but they are okay. a very strong pull factor uh, i definitely have a lot more uh, artistically i i have friends that are, that i agree more with artistically over there i think okay and just being able to make art with them is better <laughs> i don't okay. i don't know how Preferable. To put it. it's all it's yeah, it's all about the camaraderie. It's about the the connections that we can make in the space. And so I mean, and and for me, really, uh, all my enjoyable and memorable design experiences are less so about the show and more so about who's in the room, who I'm making yeah. art with, and and it's yeah, I yeah, I would I guess I would move back for them.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things that I've realized during this isolation period is that. All of my friends are my coworkers. Like I don't have any friends out of the theater industry. You know, I'm mean, got my family and I love them to death, and I love spending time with them. But I don't like I I'm either out of town, and I don't have the ability to like meet up with friends in my in my hometown because if I were even to make a friend, it I like, well, what are you up to Sunday? Well, I'm in Egypt on Sunday. Like oh whoa. <laughs> guess we're not going to go see the kids baseball game Then, like, no, I'm sorry. I'm sure you're a great guy. I just don't have time to hang out. I would, I can only imagine that's kind of something that affected you bouncing back and forth from art community to art community. Like, oh, these are all my friends.
1: I guess the good thing about being in Singapore is that I have friends pre theater. So I I've, I've met up with a few, um, elementary school, middle school friends, and it's been great. I mean, most of them are, doctors I think at this point <laughs> so they don't have a lot of time but occasion I have one that um occasionally should be like I have a week off let's meet and great then we meet um but yes I guess that is true uh in DC I for the most part only have theater friends um the exceptions being my my first roommates when I moved there because they're yeah, no, They're, I one, one does um, editing and one is in education, I believe. But no, not theater people, people who support theater, but not theater people. And so whenever okay. they did have parties, it was it was kind of nice to just be away. But then you get nice. the usual questions about about theater that you don't know how to respond. Like, what do you mean? You're not an actor? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I get that all the time.
1: <laughs> not and not as much in D.C., though, but. There are still odd questions that designers and technicians, I'm sure, get very often. Oh, that
0: is the love-hate relationship we have with people not in the theater. The the unknowingly offensive questions, like "Oh, you're in theater? Oh, you're in tech theater? Did you not make it as a singer? Are you not a good drummer? (laughs) Are you too afraid to be on the stage?" Like, no, none of those are true. I just like doing lights. I like stage Mm -hmm. managing.
1: Yeah, Yeah. in fact. Lighting design, lighting design is something hard for them to grasp as well. Uh, I usually get, like, if I say I, I don't act or if I say I'm more backstage, which is not really true, but sometimes I use that to just avoid more questions. They're like, oh, you're a set designer. I'm like, no, is that literally the only design you can think of? Yeah. So, and I guess it also, it also... Leads us to how I guess in high school or even any any theater pre college. I think that's kind of what the children are exposed to. And so um, With uh, with the company that I'm now a company member of I we have talked about how we can bring in students to explore more more of what theater is and the different roles, which I think will be really great because you know it's not just a set designer and actors. That's not how that works.
0: Yeah. Post-pandemic, I look forward to getting back to the times when we can encourage students to come into our wonderful industry. Right now, it's beautiful. like, yeah, you should totally be in our industry. It's awesome. Uh, minus the last year. But outside <laughs> of a pandemic, it's an awesome industry to be a part of. You can really it, actually make it really money. Is. Yeah. It, it's the it really
1: is. It is. I, I often get words of envy from, from uh, friends that have chosen uh, a more stable path. <laughs> and then they see how much how much fun and how much I enjoy my work. And they're like, oh, wow, you can actually be in a profession that you're passionate about. It, it does get a little tricky when, you, when your fun and work life merge, just because, I mean, if you enjoy what you're doing so much, you tend to work more than you should, which I'm sure it's true for a lot of theater professionals, but also, I mean, this is my life. I, and I like it like that. I don't know how to potentially do a nine to five job that I don't enjoy and then only do what I enjoy outside of that time. That just doesn't make sense. You know,
0: I don't know how people live their life like that. Like how do you go and sit in a cubicle for eight hours and then go home to dinner and only do the things that you love on Saturday and Sunday and, or or two weeks vacation.
1: Right. I just want to do what I like. I mean, I don't like all the theater that I end up doing, but at least I'm excited to go to work. At least I'm excited to be working from home about for a project that, that I'm excited about. It's just, it's just a completely different, um, it's just a completely different way of living life that I'm not particularly interested in ever.
0: When I met my wife, uh, she's come around since then, but she used to have the idea that work is misery. You get your paycheck and you do the things that you don't want to do. Like work is not something that you should enjoy. It should be labor intensive. And you the harder you work, the more your back should break. And, you know, it took a long time to convince her like, no, i I'm a freaking theater nerd and I'm making some money. I'm doing all right. It's awesome. hmm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. sounds like you've had the exact same experience. Like, no, this is, I'm going to do what I want to until it makes money.
1: Pretty much. And, and it did, I mean, it, it takes time. And even as a designer, uh, as a designer, I've had to supplement my income with technician work with, but I, but that was also how I realized that I do enjoy doing a combination of both because if especially starting out in DC, I was like, oh, I need to be an electrician at the big theater so that I know what toys they're playing with. So that when I design at the smaller theaters, as I'm moving up, I know what's available out there. I know what tools I have. And actually being, having had the experience to be a programmer has been really useful in my design. Half the time now, if I get, and this is not very nice, but sometimes if I get a less than proficient programmer I just tell them to go do lighting notes and I will just program the show myself <laughs> <laughs> because that's because allowed it's, that's allowed it's allowed well yeah not always though at some point yeah I have to, at some point in some spaces I have to let go but for the most part because it, because theater rental is always so expensive and time in the space is so expensive I'm just always like you know Let's not waste people's time oh and then i can blame the pandemic now too i just don't feel like talking can i just use the buttons myself and then i just program my own and then i only call them back like hey i need to build some effects go build some effects
0: nice <laughs> yeah there those are uh like i don't want to glorify the pandemic but there are a few little hidden gems there for especially for for uh germaphobe introvert perfectionists like all three of those things, you, the germaphobe, like, yeah, we have to sanitize everything. You have to stay mm-hmm. away from me. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to do this myself. It's kind of isolating, but you know, if, if that's your goal, then uh, you've got all the reasons in the world.
1: Yeah. I, I can just imagine the people who are extroverts, like at the start of this pandemic being like how I, I can't leave my house. I can't talk to people. I can't hug people in a way in a way it's been a good thing to be being in singapore because uh, we're not so much of a hugging culture here and so it's been it's been kind of nice to just be like oh okay this is already the norm i'll just continue with the norm
0: okay when you're in dc are you more of a hugger
1: uh yeah 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 pretty much i i settled into theater over there pretty well
0: okay So I grew up in theater and I mean, when in theater in high school, I mean, it's like back rub trains and it's very communal. It's very hands-on touchy touch, touch. You know, I can only imagine it's not quite the same in Singapore, especially during a pandemic.
1: No, 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 no. In fact. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely, definitely not. I mean, I didn't do theater until I was out of high school, but even so, yeah there's a lot less contact okay for sure but maybe that's good maybe it's probably it's probably what helped us do better in the pandemic to be honest but actually Mm -hmm. but i think (laughs) at least for me half the time it's because it's too hot here it's we've been having this like super cold monsoon rainy season thing at this point which is why i'm in like longer than no sleeves but For the most part, I'm just like, everybody's just too sweaty and gross. I don't want to deal with people. (laughs) I mean, I personally feel too gross to give you a hug. And, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of just been the, the vibe here, at least for me.
0: Well, it is very cool to kind of get an outside perspective. It's good to hear there are people that are willing to make those sacrifices, I'm not sure if that's the right word, but, uh, you know, to be able to go to, through those obstacles and those hurdles to go like, no, we're going to tell the story. We're going to do entertainment no matter what. And, uh, it's, a, it's refreshing compromise. Here. Compromise. That's a compromise. good one. That's yeah, a better... You
1: know, give a little, take a little, get what you want.
0: Cool. I would, uh, I would go, I would make many compromises today to go to a concert or a show and just see somebody sing or emote or something, I would I'd I'd, I'd allow a, a an app on my phone for that. Mm-hmm. So Ronald, right well thank you so much, Ihue. I really appreciate your time. I know that uh, with the thirteen hour difference this wasn't terribly easy. It's 10 o'clock my time. I would imagine it's eleven AM your time.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right on.
0: Thank you so much, Ihue. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. It's been a real honor to be on your podcast. Very excited.